0: Who am I going to miss as we get closer to a college football season? I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And thanks for joining us, being a part of the show. And before we get started, please take a second out, guys. Leave us that rating and review and subscribe. It does help the show tremendously uh, grow organically, which is how we've done this thing for several years now because of you. Your support, you taking out a minute to leave that rating and review, and if you do, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. It's getting hot this summer; keep the beer cold, all right? And uh, send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. So uh, one thing I like to do is is always in the middle of summer, look back on last season, think ahead to this season, and say, who am I going to miss? Who and why am I going to miss certain players in the Big Twelve Conference? And I want to go through a list of five guys that I will desperately miss in this conference. And I know that there are plenty of guys that we're all going to miss from the Big 12. But I just want to give you five guys that come to my mind that I really loved watching play last year that are no longer going to be here. And these are not necessarily people who, you know, were the best. Now, a lot of them would be considered the best at their various positions. But it's just guys I loved watching play and the reasons behind why I loved watching them play. And I'll start off with uh, Iowa State defensive tackle Ray Lima. You know, this guy was not somebody who had a big stat line. All right, he, he didn't. But he was really an engine for the Iowa State defense that was, I think, the best in the Big 12 when you combine the past two seasons. He clogged up the middle. He drew double teams. And he allowed the rest of that defense to operate beautifully. And that's something that they did very well. Very, very well under John Heacock the last two years. So I'm just going to miss that big body defensive tackle that, let's be honest, the Big 12 does not have a lot of Ray Limas. All right. I hope that the Big 12 gets back to more Ray Limas, whether it's, you know, the Ross Blacklocks, the Bravion Roys at Baylor. Uh, the Big 12 coaches know they need more of that, right? They do. If you want to get in the national conversation with the SEC, you've got to have more guys like that on the interior of your defensive line, and the Big 12 really hasn't had it in a decade. The last guy that you think about of of elite stature, I mean, Adama Kinsu when Nebraska was in the Big 12, uh, Gerald McCoy at OU, but that's just too long. That's too long. So you know, Ray Lima's not those guys, but based on how mediocre the Big 12 has been at that position the last couple of years. I enjoyed watching Ray Lima clog up that middle for the best defense of the Big 12 the last couple of seasons. Speaking of defense, and by the way, I got three defensive guys on this list. Baylor defensive end James Lynch. Uh, Lynch was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, and he did wreak havoc off the edge against every Big 12 team. Led the league with 12 and a half sacks, uh, which was five and a half more than anybody else in the conference. 18 and a half tackles for loss were second in the Big 12 behind the man in front of them in these rankings, who I'll get to here shortly. And considering Baylor had one win in 2017 and was an overtime away from clinching a berth in the college football playoff, I mean, it's an incredible story. Matt Rule's guys were so easy to root for. And James Lynch, you want to talk about defining easy to root for? James Lynch was at the top of that list. And it was just, it was fun to watch Baylor fly all over the field. And Lynch was a big reason why. So I've got him as a guy I'll miss. Uh, Texas Tech linebacker Jordan Brooks. Talk about defense. And while the unit as a whole was not lights out in Lubbock, Jordan Brooks, I mean, that guy is going to be a legit NFL player. He is going to have a, I think, a very nice NFL career. And he'll have been a linebacker at Texas Tech. And no one's going to really know where Jordan Brooks went to college, you know, as he's working his way through the NFL, and now, you know, Seattle Seahawks pick him in the first round. People are going to be like, wait, uh, first-round NFL draft pick uh, was from the defensive side of the ball at Texas Tech? What? What? Exactly. So I think this is a guy who's going to have a really good NFL career, and people are going to be shocked when they look at his bio and say, he went to Texas Tech? He was all over the place. He was a stud. Led the Big 12 in total tackles last year with 108. Also led the league with 20 tackles for loss. I will miss him being all over the field. I just wish he, you know, could have been on a better team the last couple of years because he would have gotten more attention. But hey, he was a first-round NFL draft pick. That is uh, pretty darn good. I've got Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma quarterback. Now, Jalen Hurts is not Baker Mayfield. Jalen Hurts is not Kyler Murray. But he was different. Jalen Hurts was a guy who used his legs far more uh, as a running back, not Kyler Murray where he's, you know, rolling out, hitting the edge and scooting for 10, although he could do that. But he was a between-the-tackles guy. He was a different mold than Baker. He was a different mold than Kyler. And it was fun to watch. I don't think it was as sexy as Mayfield or Murray. It wasn't. It was more grit, determination, uh, brute strength. With Hurts, I mean, he struggled throwing the ball past 10 yards down the field. Uh, But still, anytime Lincoln Riley's your coach and you're the quarterback, unless you're a total dud, you're going to be fun to watch. And that's what Jalen Hurts was last year. And he got him to a college football playoff. Uh, But still, I, I respect what Jalen Hurts did at OU. He became a Heisman finalist after the transfer from Alabama, being in the system for a hot minute one year still it was fun to watch him work within that offense and last but not least of big 12 players I'm going to miss in 2020 TCU wide receiver Jalen Rager now some of you might be shocked by this I guy didn't do much he didn't do much because I hate to say it for him but he had nobody throwing him the ball nobody the last two years From the Sean Robinsons to the Mike Collins to the Max Duggins, and I think Duggan will improve this year, but you got a true freshman last year, a quarterback, uh, just didn't get it done through the air. Did not do it. But when Jalen Rager was at his best, and when Jalen Rager was making plays, he was as fun as anybody to watch in this league. I think about the Alamo Bowl during his freshman season against Stanford. Five catches, 169 yards, and a touchdown. or. Or many of you might remember this. Oklahoma State fans probably cringe thinking about this. The end of his sophomore year, look at this stat line for Jalen Rager. Eight catches, 91 yards, five carries, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. I think to myself, what could have been for Jalen Rager in his time at TCU? That's what I think about. What could have been. And it's something that uh, I think we'll, we'll unfortunately look back on Jalen Rager's time at TCU and say, geez, here's a guy who was a first-round NFL draft pick who I think is going to do good things in the league, and we're going to be like, TCU had that guy for three years, and uh, it had two seasons of incredible mediocrity because they couldn't find somebody to throw him the ball. I mean, Gary Patterson's a quarterback away. He has been a quarterback away for the last two years of, of – Being in the Big 12 conversation like they were when they reached the college football, not the college football playoff, but the Big 12 championship game uh, a couple of years back with Kenny Hill, who was not exactly, you know, a stud quarterback. He was okay, but I mean, he was nothing special. He looks like he's something special because of how bad things have been lately, the last two years, at least by TCU's own standards, right? By TCU's own standards, it has not been good. But when you look at where they've been the last two years, it's been terrible at that position. Absolutely terrible. Since the 11-3 and 3 year in 2017, they're a combined 12-13. and 13. That's got to change. I hope Duggan's the guy. But, man, if, if Gary can just find himself that quarterback, things are completely different for this program because the defense has been there. The offensive line pieces have been there. The skill position players have, generally speaking, been there. I mean – uh, Darius Anderson and, and Shewo Alana Lua. Did I say that right? Shaywo Alana Lua finally got it right after he's gone. Uh, that's a nice one two punch at running back. But when you can't get the ball downfield, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegesports.com. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to have a season. I'm overall optimistic that we are going to have at least a full conference slate. But I understand, you know, this past week you had KU announcing it was suspending workouts due to COVID-19 cases. But I'm hoping that they, as they get this system figured out and they get guys back on the field, back in the locker rooms, they will have this thing under relative control and we can have a full season. And we can also realize that these guys are at far, far, far lower risk than somebody who's older or has a pre-existing condition and it's not to make light of it it is obviously serious for certain people but it's also something that we have to look at and say uh, how do we learn to live with it I think that's a realistic conversation that's got to be had right now in college campuses and athletic departments all over the nation and having those numbers by the way those stats in front of you when you are making these decisions Coming up, let's talk to our pal Matthew Postens, of course, a regular on this website. We'll talk Big 12 and everything college football, where things are trending. Coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. <laughs> Let's say hi to a guy that you uh, read all the time on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo as we take you through another week, hopefully closer to a college football season. Uh, Matthew, obviously there are uh, concerns all over the country in terms of what a fall college football season is going to look like. Obviously, health is first and foremost, but where do you think we are going with this thing Uh, for the Big 12 in particular, obviously, and then for the rest of college football?
1: Well, I think for the Big 12 and the Power Five in particular, I think their decision making is going to be a lot different than the rest of the country simply because of the monetary factor. When you think about the fact that the uh, Big 12 paid out, you know, 37, 38 million to its uh, partner schools this year, um, the majority of that money comes from television. And so you can't get TV money if you don't have a game on TV. So their math is going to be a lot different. I, I think they're going to hold out as long as they possibly can. It could be that they um, you know, cancel their non-conference games and, and rejigger their uh, conference schedule to accommodate a shorter season and maybe start in late September, early October. But I think they're going to do everything possible to have a football season in the fall. Now, for these smaller conferences, when you get down into FCS, D2, D3, we've already seen a little melt. Uh, Morehouse has canceled its 2020 season. Beaudoin, a uh, Division III school up in Maine, has canceled all of its fall sports. Uh, There are a couple of schools that have done that as well. Fordham uh, up in the New York area has canceled uh, their first three games of the year. So you're starting to see little pockets of schools that have... Um, kind of started making their own independent decisions that they can live without football this year. But their math is a lot different because you don't have the TV money and you don't have the obligations to people like ESPN, CBS, and and other networks to have those games broadcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Matthew, what do you think, uh, you know, Big 12 Media Days is, is two weeks away now, and I think it's going to be a very, obviously it's different, it's going to be virtual, but what do you think the tone is going to be like from us on the media side, the coaches, the players, the virtual nature of it. I, what are you expecting as we get going in less than two weeks?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to expect the unexpected. Yeah, <laughs> this, has <been> such a, <laughs> this has been such a strange 2020 to this point, just in terms of sports and in terms of everything that's happened. Um, I think I think you're going to see coaches that are going to be really optimistic except for maybe Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley seems to have been the one realist throughout this whole uh, process the last few months. He was the coach that delayed his students coming onto campus uh, early in June. He wanted to wait till July. Uh, He's been very, very clear in the media about how he he feels about uh, how things are developing and and what the schools need to be doing. Um, I think the players are going to express their desire to play Uh, to be safe. But first and foremost, they want to play. They came to college to play college football and to get an education, Uh, not necessarily in that order. But um, they're going to be very optimistic about wanting to play. Uh, I think Bob Bowlesby's uh, interview on Monday is going to be really, really interesting because he's going to get a lot of questions about COVID. He's going to get a lot of questions about testing. He's going to get a lot of questions about uh, where the rest of the athletic directors are in terms of how they feel about the season. But uh, I think Bob will try to be as optimistic as possible. But, uh, you know, he he was very much a realist during those press conferences at the Big 12 basketball tournament in March, uh, which I was able to attend. Uh, I, I'm wondering how much of a realist he will be in a couple of weeks when we see him at Big 12 Media Day.
0: I'm with you there, Matthew. It's going to be interesting. Uh, let's talk about college football, though. Let's talk about the field. And if you were to look at a storyline in the Big 12 that you think is not getting enough attention heading into this season – What would that storyline or storylines be?
1: Uh, For me, I think it's – I look at a couple of things. I I look at whether or not Kansas and West Virginia can improve markedly in year two under their current head coaches. I mean, Les Miles did not inherit a lot of talent. He has one really, really talented player on the offensive side of the ball in Puka Williams. Um, But you've got to have 50, 60, 70 guys that can play well – in concert with one another in college football, does he have enough talent for them to take a step yet? They they have won I saw this the other day. North Dakota State has won either as many or more road Big 12 games since 2010 than can as Kansas has. It, it's just stupefying how bad Kansas has been on the road the past decade. So that's one thing that I'm I'm interested. The the other thing I'm interested in is whether or not TCU is going to be able to figure out a quarterback for this year. Uh, the years that they've been really good, you know, you look at Andy Dalton, you look at Travon Boykin, even Kenny Hill, uh, they've had good quarterback situations. Their quarterback situation last year just wasn't good at all. And this is a team that has preseason All-Americans on the defensive side of the football. Uh, they've got a good offensive line. They've got good running backs. They need somebody behind center that can put it together. And that's going to make the difference as to whether or not TCU gets back to a bowl game or even has an opportunity to be a dark horse contender in this conference.
0: I think those are two great points as well. And uh, those are both going to be very interesting. Do you think Gary Patterson is somebody who, I mean, I think he's been a quarterback away the last two years of competing for a big 12 title. That's how bad that quarterback play has been. Uh, He's got Jerry kill now at, at quasi offensive coordinator head coach of the offense. But do you think Matt uh, Gary Patterson is at a point where he would ever step away from something like this, or is that not something you foresee anytime soon?
1: Uh, I don't think he's at that point in his career yet. I don't think he's even 60 at this point, and that's when I start thinking about when coaches uh, might decide to step away. Uh, To me, he's got one of the best situations, not just in the Big 12, but in college football. He's highly valued by his university. His teams are always competitive. Uh, The one loss record doesn't necessarily show that all the time. Uh, but they're always competitive. He's considered one of the best defensive mind and minds in the game. Generally speaking, his players respect him. Uh, Jerry Kill coming in to be a, a special offensive assistant uh, I think is a, a brilliant stroke. Uh, Kill and, and Patterson, I believe, worked together previously. Uh, they both kind of think alike about football. Uh, they they need some help in terms of the construction of the offense on the offensive side of the ball. I think he can be of great support to Sonny Cumbie. And when you think about the fact that Sonny Cumbie is – even after last year, still a rising star in this game in terms of, you know, one day I think he'll be a head coach. Jerry Kill gives Gary Patterson a perfect guy to replace Sonny Cumby at offensive of coordinator, should Cumby ever get a job somewhere. So I don't see Patterson leaving anytime soon. You know, he's had overtures from other schools that would be considered bigger than TCU. If he's not going to leave for one of
0: those schools, then I think he's there for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, West Virginia, haven't spent a lot of time uh, discussing them, what the offseason prospects are like. When you look at what Neil Brown is, is doing, uh, we think he's got his guy quarterback in Jarrett Dagey. They won two or three to close out the season. What should we be thinking about as it relates to what's going on in Morgantown going into 2020?
1: Well, I think the the progress of Daigie, for one, is one thing that I'm really interested in because they've had a really good quarterback play uh, at times the past few years. I think a Will Greer certainly uh, had a great couple of years there at uh, West Virginia. But I, I'm more interested in the defensive side of the football as it relates to West Virginia because I saw them play Baylor, and, and you could start to see some things happening on that side of the ball You could start to see how that team was starting to come together a little bit defensively. And I remember that was a really good Baylor offensive team last year. Uh, You know, West Virginia still ended up losing that game, but uh, they only lost 17 to 14. So they held one of the best offenses in the Big 12 to just 17 points in that game. Uh, Darius still, I think, has the potential to be one of the best defensive players in the Big 12 and in the country. I think they've got a couple of really good safeties in Sean Mahone and Techie Smith. Uh, you know, I think that if they can, you know, they've got some some holes to fill at the linebacker position, at the cornerback position, but if they can get good play from those two particular positions where they're, they're missing some experience, uh, then I think they can take the next step in this conference in terms of getting back into a position where they can be eligible for a bowl game. You know, Neil Brown has done a good job in the past at building programs. He did it at Troy. Uh, I'm more interested in, in where they're going to be defensively halfway through the season than offensively, because I think they'll figure out the offensive piece of it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, when you look at Iowa State, Matthew, a team we haven't spent a lot of time on, uh, we got about a minute, but on Iowa State, Brock Purdy, Matt Campbell, is this the year where if they're going to reach double-digit wins, it happens in 2020?
1: I-, I think they got a really good chance. I mean, you mentioned Purdy, but you've also got to think of Tariq Milton, the wide receiver. Uh, they've got great triplets. I mean, we- we've talked a lot about, uh, Wallace and and Hubbard and Sanders at Oklahoma State being you know the so-called triplets, but you know Purdy, Hall, Milton, those are three really good offensive players right there. They've got some experience in the offensive line. They've got a really stacked defensive front. Uh, they certainly have the potential uh, to be a team that could unseat Oklahoma. And the great thing this year is they get Oklahoma at home. They get Baylor at home. They get West Virginia at home. I mean, their toughest road game is Oklahoma State, honestly. they got to go to Oklahoma State and go to Texas in late November. Uh, the schedule sets up well for them. I, I think they are, are certainly a team you got to watch in the Big 12 this year.
0: Matthew Poston joining us on the show. Matthew, appreciate the insight, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Coming up, some final thoughts as we wrap things up on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. a few minutes here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us and uh, being a part of the show. So let's talk about five quarterbacks, Big 12 teams are going to face in 2020 that you should keep an eye on. Um, First off, I know that there's talk about maybe not having a conference uh, schedule. We talked to Adam Rittenberg about that, or excuse me, not having a non-conference schedule, I should say. Uh, I know we talked to Adam Rittenberg about that, ESPN.com, here on the show this week, but I'm an eternal optimist. I'm optimistic. And you know what? Until proven otherwise, I am going to stay optimistic. So here are five quarterbacks the Big 12 is going to face this year outside of conference play that you should know, that you should keep an eye on, and that could, could give their Big 12 opponents some trouble. Let's start with LSU, Miles Brennan. LSU in Texas taking place on September 12th. Uh, he's replacing Joe Burrow, but who the heck is he, right? Um, and if you want to see a great picture, go to Miles Brennan's page. Look at the comb over on that guy. I mean, he is right out of 1972. Uh, that's what he is. Fourth year junior, take it over for the National Championship Tigers. Uh, has not played a lot of meaningful football at LSU, but he was a guy who came in as the number six ranked pro-style quarterback in his class. And he's had plenty of time to learn, enhance his craft, and and be in that quarterback room. So I'm just curious to see what Miles Brennan is. Is he going to be Joe Burrow? No. Joe Burrow put together a historic season, but he's got great weapons uh, on that offense for LSU, and it's going to be fun to see what he's all about. Uh, also on this list, Jarrett Guarantano, Tennessee's quarterback. They take on Oklahoma also on September 12th. Uh, Guarantano is a senior. He's got 25 starts in 34 games. He's not great. I mean, he's been hit or miss a lot of his career. But he does have this year one of the best offensive lines in the SEC. I saw that Tennessee, either four or all five of their projected offensive linemen are former five-star guys. I think it's four of the five linemen projected starters are former five-star prospects. That's wild. Wild. So, if you're going to improve, it's going to be behind an offensive line that's just full of studs, right? Tennessee is considered, in some people's estimations, an SEC East dark horse. Um, and Guarantano did have some great games last year. When he played Missouri, and he had a career-best 415 yards to help that team clinch a bowl berth. But at his worst, he's like a middle-of-the-pack, power 5 starter. So, uh, maybe there's a new guy this year, final season, uh, Leading the balls with some good pieces on offense, but he's somebody who can turn it on or not be too good. But keep an eye on him. Also, Chase Garbers, Cal quarterback, they played TCU on September 5th in the opener. Uh, Garbers leads a unit that basically brings back everybody. Uh, every starter returns from last year. Now, he missed the first four games of the last season. He had a broken collarbone, a concussion. He was dealing with a lot. But as they closed the season against Stanford, UCLA, and Illinois, they won every game. He completed 66% of his passes for nearly 800 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. It's a heck of a stat line to close out the season. So as TCU is hopefully making that uh, kind of progression with uh, Max Duggan at quarterback, Cal may go into that game if you were to say Max Duggan or Chase Garbers. You probably would take Garbers right now at least. So that's going to be a tough spot for TCU, but we're also going to get a feel for how good this TCU defense is uh, this year with Garbers in the opener. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Grant Gunnell, Arizona, as they played Texas Tech on September 19th. Grant Gunnell shared the starting job in 2019 with Khalil Tate. And a lot of people believe that he is a uh, rising star in the Pac-12 at the position. He threw for 1,200 yards, 65% completion percentage, Um, and intercepted just once as a freshman. He's, by the way, a former Texas high school quarterback. No shocker there. And um, now he's going to take on Texas Tech. First month of the year, year two under his leadership. We'll see what Grant Gunnell's all about. And last but not least, Shane Bouchel, SMU's quarterback. They played TCU on September 26th. So TCU is taking on two of these uh, non-Big 12 quarterbacks this year. And... Uh, but I think about Shane Bouchelle and uh, Sam Ellinger, clearly the better option. No one's going to be like, geez, I wish I had Shane Bouchelle over Sam Ellinger. No one's going to say that. Texas may be underachieved last year, but it was no fault of Sam Ellinger. But I'm really happy for Shane Bouchelle. He was always an easy guy to root for. Did I think he was, you know, the guy who could lead Texas uh, back to prominence and national title contention? No, I, I don't think that's who he is. But... He transfers to SMU. He had a great year last year under Sonny Dykes. SMU won double-digit games, threw for nearly 4,000 yards, 34 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 63% completion percentage. And who knows how his career would have gone to Texas if Ellinger didn't take the job away from him. Fairly so, by the way, I must add. But I'm happy to see Shane Bouchel have this kind of success. Um, And yes, some of this might be driven by the competition in the AAC. But still, this is an SMU team that beat TCU last year. Don't forget. Um, did win double-digit games. And, you know, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially on that side of the ball. The defense is spotty. But on the awesome offensive side of the ball, they should be really darn good. So I'm happy for Bouchelle, And this also, this list is not a who's who, right? The Big 12 and the games that they are playing in the non-conference, there are no complete studs because of you know teams like LSU graduating Burrow or Burrow going to the NFL and uh, you know Florida State's got a touchy situation at quarterback Maryland Boston College so there's no total studs the Big 12's got to face in the non-conference but there are some good players and some intriguing players have a great rest of your week I'm Pete Mundo we're Heartland College Sports Weekly part of heartlandcollegesports.com Media Days is two weeks away. We'll have full coverage for you on the website, on the podcast. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. Please leave that rating. Hit that five-star. Leave a review. It helps us. Subscribe as well. And we'll send you a free koozie, a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail if you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week. Stay safe, guys. We'll talk to you soon.